Good evening, everyone. So, friends, do you want the very hard homily? Or do you want me to go easy? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, brother. <laughs> All right. I do have seven pages, by the way. <laughs> so, my friends, let's take a look at our, our readings. So, the first one. Um, we imitate holiness of God when we refuse to take vengeance upon others and to bear grudges against them. And um, is because of the very presence of the Holy Spirit has come upon the Christians. And therefore, they are a temple of God. And uh, we are made in God's image, and therefore, we should be respecting one another. And uh, what makes us the followers of Jesus, that makes us different, um, is that uh, we are are willing to love as the Father loves all of his creation. And um, so this gospel reading um, is very difficult for folks to follow uh, the directions to love our enemies. And uh, folks sometimes find it very hard to love their neighbors. And see, I had my homily in my head when I was reading the gospel. That's why I messed it up. And, and somebody was laughing back there. Oh, you better go to confession. <laughs> For laughing at Father. Even I was laughing inside because I thought, you're getting ahead of yourself, priest. Um, but folks find it hard even to love their neighbors. Remember last week we talked about who neighbor was. Neighbor is everybody, right? Um, but to love uh, the enemy that is often perceived as one who intentionally wants to harm us. And that is very difficult to do, and the Lord is addressing something uh, in this gospel reading that all of us at one time or another have felt the desire for, and that is revenge. And uh, Jesus quotes the Old Testament. It actually comes from Exodus. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And uh, many folks have used this what we call pericope, this line from the gospel, to justify retaliation and to hold grudges. Uh, and they claim the Bible says so. Well, that may be what the Old Testament says, but that is not what it means. And um, the verse, when you put it into context, which you always must, you must be careful when you take one line out of the scriptures and then try and use that, particularly as a weapon. Um, so when we look at the context of the whole chapter, it teaches that if a person harms another one in a fight, did you know that? You didn't, did you? Anyone? Anyone? Ow, 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 ow. <laughs> All right. So if anyone harms another in a fight, he shall give an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and a wound for a wound. The sense of the passage is that if someone should damage your servant's eye, you are not allowed to damage both eyes of his slave. An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, a wound for a wound. In other words, this teaching is meant to cap a conflict and to prevent escalation. You see, they thought, if you harm my slave, I'm going to take two of yours and kill them. This is what's what they thought. And this is why uh, Moses writes this. And to get control, it sounds barbaric to us, but they were being barbaric at that time, so this was a way to try and control uh, and not allow things to escalate. 
However, as it is, people began to twist it into an endorsement for revenge of any type and for uh, retaliation. And you know what happens when folks get into the business of revenge? <laughs> it becomes a, a retaliation after retaliation, and the feud goes on and on, and the original hurt that happened is long forgotten. One of the things I remember was the Hatfield, the Hat, what is the, the and the McCoys. <laughs> I think that fight's still going on, and I don't think you can even ask them, what are we fighting about? I don't know. It was just something. The Lord is trying to teach us that the only way to end the cycle of revenge and retaliation is for someone to stop it before it begins. And that is called forgiveness. So here we are. Forgiveness in today's culture seems like weakness. However, forgiveness requires more courage and inner strength and maturity and spiritual fortitude than anything else. And uh, consider what the culture and our personal world would be like if um, we never forgave. If we remembered every hurt and every slight against us. We'd be living in an emotional and spiritual desert with any water, none. Spending much time planning to get even. And you guys already know the story with me and my father. I don't want to go there again because then I have nightmares. I brought it up and then I had nightmares. But I understand, so I'm preaching to you as one who knows and has experienced, has learned to let it go. I do believe, generally speaking, that folks forgive and forget many things almost automatically. And here's the challenge. The Lord tells us not to do it uh, without thinking, but to do it consciously and uh, deliberately. Otherwise, hate and revenge and retaliation will consume us and destroy our very lives. And uh, there are people who forget, who are unwilling to refuse, uh, or unwilling to forgive people. They refuse it uh, absolutely, and they remember everything, and they remunerate it in their heads over and over again. And it's a nightmare. And um, if we refuse to forgive others, we do not really harm them, but we great, bring great harm to ourselves. It is such a poison. And my friends, one naturally resents a person who wrongs us or tries to harm us. And the Lord did not say that you should like it. <laughs> That's not what he said. But our response should not be fueled by the urge to strike back. And, um, but uh, to do something that would diffuse the conflict um, so that both persons could proceed with their lives. And uh, um, I remember, uh, not only within our own family, but when a child does wrong, parents don't try to get even. Right, Grandma? <laughs> Grandma doesn't try to get even with you guys, does she? <gasps> Very good. They're perfect anyway, Grandma says. Very good for Grams for saying that. But you know what I'm saying? Uh, parents, they don't try and get even. They, try, um, they respond in a way that will teach and help the child through what is sometimes referred to as tough love, and that's a whole different other homily. Uh, but the decision we make not to strike back, not to retaliate at those who do us wrong requires that we be the adult in that situation. And uh, to do that is both a skill 
and requires grace from God. And yes, it takes time. It takes time. Jesus tells us that we must become perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. The willingness to forgive is a sign of holiness at work in us. Our starting to forgive as God forgives us is a sign that we are becoming more like our Heavenly Father, whom we say we love. Forgiveness may or may not bring healing to other people, but it always heals us and sets us free. And as your pastor, I absolutely testify on behalf of that. When I let go of the anger and the revenge and the retaliation I wanted against my father, I became free. It would have prevented me from being your pastor and a priest. And it took a priest to point that out to me. But I've let it go, and the poison is gone. Hmm? My friend, St. John would explain uh, Jesus' statement, to be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Um, he explains that uh, God is perfect in his love. He's perfect in all ways, but he would put forth that it is his love that is perfect. So when Jesus says, be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect, he's telling you, make your love that. And remember, I taught you the word that he would use here, hesed. Hesed is a covenantal love. It's a love that it's not about feelings. I don't feel like it. Well, that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the sheer act of will. I will love that person. That's different from any other type of love. And uh, for the perfection of God is love. Um, my friends, I want to be clear uh, about what uh, love also means in this context. Love means never stooping to evil, never being spiteful or harmful uh, to one who has offended you, and uh, never seeking simply to hurt or repay harm. Love means wishing the other only well and that they would return to the very grace of God, meaning that they would have peace also. And uh, love does not mean, however, exposing oneself to harm or to remain in an abusive situation. Uh, anyone who is a victim of abuse must seek protection. Um, they also must seek to restrict the other's use of force upon them and, uh, and if possible, try to help them. The gospel does not encourage us as Christians to stand by idly either while someone is being mistreated. Love calls for us to defend the injured party while seeking a way to help the offender change their ways and to, be, to restrain the harm. When, um, when we look at this, um, and this becomes difficult in war, uh, the idea would be Jesus, uh, and I know people say, well, what would Jesus do? Well, I can only tell you what the scriptures would tell you. But in war, you would not do this for revenge. You would do it in order to protect yourself, to protect your country, but not to inflict suffering and pain and to destroy the other country. You know, uh, Well, the same thing applies to us. We, you can stop someone from harming you, but not go after them. And in this liturgic, I mean, in this um, litigation society, people come to me, Father, I'm going to get a lawyer. And I'm like, ask for justice, but do not seek to destroy the other person and to wipe them out. That's not justice. That's revenge and retaliation. And Jesus speaks against that. My friends, um, the call to the Christian is to love our enemy 
um, this is very difficult. And uh, we can decide to love someone even though we do not feel love for that person. In this instance, love is not a passing feeling, as I said. Um, it is an act of will, just that it is an act of will not to hurt anyone or allow hurt or pain inflicted upon us to turn us uh, into uh, a person of hatred and rage. Only with God's grace can we love in the way that Christ does and asks of us. Be perfect. Be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. And as I said, that perfection he's talking about is in love. God loves all of his creation. God loves all of us not because we are good, but because he is good. And this is what God is asking. This is what Jesus meant. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. So what he's saying is, I need you to love them not because they are good, but because you are a child of the Father in heaven. And you are holy, and therefore you will love them. Because this is the way that God treats us also. As Christ's disciples, we are asked to work towards the higher ideal. Remember, Matthew chapter 5 is the sermon, his homily about justice. And so he asks us to go to a higher ideal of loving even one's enemy. And this is holiness. Uh, let's be holy, uh, for the Lord your God is holy. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In this way, you will show that you are true children of your Father in heaven. Matthew 5, 44. Uh, my friends, um, this is why when I came to you as your pastor, people said, what is your vision? I said, my vision is for everyone to be holy. And I know some people laughed. And some people didn't understand but now you see how difficult it is to be holy. I've been in parishes that have big, huge vision statements, two pages, on and on and on and on, and I don't condemn them. But it's hard enough just to be holy, and yet that is what the Scripture asks, that we be holy. That is my vision for the parish. It always has been since I've arrived, to be holy. Now you've seen it in the Scriptures. Where did I get it from? Right here. If we do that, and we are, grace has come. Uh, amen.